0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.
1: Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock Paper Scissors, the PR firm that specializes in music tech and music innovation and other stuff in that world. Music Tectonics is a global community which only grew as we were pushed to do more online events during the pandemic. And we've had someone join our online events from Australia in the middle of the night while participating in an all-night Music Hackathon. And this past year, we had trade missions from South Korea and Norway join us in person at our Santa Monica conference. And of course, we constantly hear from our global community on LinkedIn. And as we get ready for the Music Biz Conference in Nashville next week, we turn our attention to this global community, specifically with a spotlight on India on today's episode. Our guest, Sandhya Sarindran, is an independent media and entertainment lawyer with over 15 years of experience. She started her business and legal consultancy called Lexic seven years ago with expertise in licensing and royalties and a clientele ranging from talent management, production studios, and media and music tech platforms. Sandia has worked with clients and advised as in-house counsel with companies that have global operations, and she's familiar with the legal nuances of operating businesses across the Asian Pacific and Middle East regions, as well as the U.S. and U.K. Between 2021 and mid-2022, she worked exclusively with global media company Vice as their senior legal counsel for Asia Pacific, handling all legal and business affairs for the region. Sandia has her own podcast, Lex Talk Music. Sandia, welcome to Music Tectonics.
2: Hi, and thank you so much for having me, Dimitri. It's really nice to be
1: here. Great to have you. And I'm really excited to dive in because I hear so much about what's happening in India. And uh, we connected via LinkedIn, I believe, uh, maybe because of the podcast as well. And uh, I'm really ready to dive in. So why don't you give us an overview of the landscape of music in India, given the cultural and linguistic diversity there, the coexistence of classical Indian music, film music, and all the folk styles that influence music from India.
2: So I think safe to say India is like, it's almost like having a whole bunch of countries in one country. So each state has its own separate culture, separate language, uh, and its own regional film and you know creative music industry. So, um, and apart from that, given the kind of uh, cultural influences we have had over the years, we've had Hindustani and Carnatic, which are both the Indian classical forms of music. Uh, we've been, we've had a lot of folk and tribal art forms as well and music is a huge part of that um the film industry is probably the biggest aspect of the music industry in fact in i think historically the way music has been consumed in india has been through the film industry like commercially speaking uh, because we don't really look at hindustani or the carnatic classical art forms or the music forms as commercial and nobody really looks at it as revenue driven and now we have uh, we've seen a massive you know uptake in the way independent music is being consumed and I think it's important to clarify that in India when we talk about indie music it's usually non-film music it's not necessarily non-label music and that that, that distinction I think is uh, I think I, I'd like to like make that right up front because mm. that's going to be a reference which you'll probably hear during our conversation
1: that's so interesting so just to get that clear here in the u.s when they say indie they mean like not major label or maybe not even label and in india when you say indie, it means non-film music yeah got it okay
2: so and uh i think the each like i said each state has so many different cultural uh differences and i and it's kind of it kind of comes together in the regional film industries as well you see that in the music that comes out in the regional films and uh, overall the way it uh, is perceived I think you have like some of the regional music coming out globally strong as well so like the most recent uh, I think has been the Telugu film industry which is what won the Oscar Um, and you have Punjabi which is quite popular because you have like a large Punjabi diaspora across the world and but you do have other regional large regional music industries which like Tamil or Bengali or for that matter Malayalam and they're all equally vibrant and each of them have their own specific musical influences which are very very different from each other and what I think what's most interesting is that there's a lot of um western music influence in the independent side of music so you'll see that you have a massive english speaking population in the country you know thanks to uh the commonwealth influence and that has inspired artists to come out with like english music as well and they are going global too so i think it's like a confluence of a lot of things you have it's you have our own indian cultural music And those trends that apply to it. And you have music, which is kind of synonymous with global trends and not very unlike what you'd probably hear in Europe or America. So that, I think, kind of makes a very interesting mix.
1: That is really interesting and very different from the U.S. where, sure, like, I, you know, you hear about Memphis blues or Chicago blues, things like that. But it's not as distinct in that way sometimes you know certainly by genre in the United States there can be um kind of differences in how those how the music industry operates within certain genres but really it's more like if you're in L.A., yeah. it probably has something to do with film or gaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if you're in Austin, yeah, you're yeah. certainly going to be at South by Southwest. And in Austin or yeah. Nashville is going to have like an Americana style to it. Maybe live music is more associated with certain cities, things like that. But it's interesting to hear about the diverse cultural influences. Let me let me broaden out in some ways and get more specific in others uh, just as we paint the context, then we can get further into the conversation. Who are the big players in the Indian music industry here in the U.S.? We hear about the major labels, uh, some Shining indie labels and DIY distributors, the DSPs like Spotify and Apple, social platforms yeah. like TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. What are the names of the music companies in India that everyone should know about, and and what should we know about them?
2: Okay, so I think safe to say the the names that you've mentioned also, you know, have, play a really big role in India. But over and above that, like I said, the film industry is a really big influence on how music is consumed. So even you have labels, two labels, the biggest labels in the Indian labels, T Series and Saregama, who pretty much control I think ninety-eight percent of the Indian film music catalogue. And um if you want to do business in the music industry, there's no avoiding these two names. And apart from that, you have the local streaming platforms like Ghana, Hangama, Geo Savan, who are also you know contributing a lot to the way music is streamed in the country. And in fact, like they are probably, I think if I'm not mistaken, Geo7 is perhaps a bigger player in the Indian market than Spotify is, which is, uh, you know, a, a big a change from how Spotify is looked at globally. And I think YouTube has become a huge contributor to the way music is consumed. It, it's also important to kind of segregate the categories in which these players work and function in. So if you're talking about film industry, all these people that I've mentioned, all these parties that I've mentioned are very, very relevant. And uh, as far as independent music is concerned, that is non film music, you have these streaming platforms who play a bigger role than any of these labels do. But over and above that, I think your major labels have as much as, as a say in how the music industry functions, are. Uh, Spotify and YouTube and Facebook and TikTok. TikTok is obviously banned. So you don't have, we don't have access to TikTok over here, but Instagram Reels basically covers up for that. So that is like the the alternate option. And you have local Indian players who are into short form content, like, you know, Rapuzo and uh, I think a couple of other Chingari. There are a few other smaller players. They're, they're not as big globally, but they're big in India. And if, if I might add something which is not exactly connected to being a player, but the fact that Reliance is one of the largest, uh, business conglomerates in India and Ambani is like perhaps like one of the richest Indians in the world. His company, Jio, is in, is a telecom company and there's this whole, uh, you know, there was this phenomenon called referred to as a Jio effect, which basically, um, meant or basically translated into internet getting really cheap, and super accessible to everyone in the country. And they also got smartphones to be available cheaper. So this allowed entire, you know, population which did not have access to the internet to actually have access to YouTube and to Ghana and to Hangama and to Jigosavan and change the way music was being consumed. And it moved from you know mp3 consumption to like streaming in the just in the last six or seven years so i would think that reliance and geo specifically has is as much as an important player even though it's technically not in music but geo savan is a subsidiary of geo so
1: got it yeah so there's a connection there (laughs) as people are coming online in faster ways and getting access to the internet in faster ways they're introduced quickly to Geo Savin as well. And then as a result, streaming yeah. becomes an important piece of music consumption or music listening in India. That's that's really super helpful to get that context, both in terms of where the US and Western players fit in, as well as the local Indian yeah. players and how important they are. And you know, you've know, you brought it up a couple of times already, how important um, the Indian film industry is on influencing both culture and music. And uh, you practice law. How has the film industry there influenced music law in India?
2: Great question, because um, the film industry has played a very important part, like I mentioned earlier, on how music has been consumed, historically speaking. And uh, they, given the kind of influence they have on that entire sector, on the entertainment sector, they also naturally have much larger lobbies that influence lawmaking. And this has automatically translated into the way certain bodies have been set up, which kind of determine how royalties are collected, who owns rights, and even how songwriters are treated. Because as far as the film industry is concerned, all material that is being created for the film, including music, has historically been owned by the production house. That is a production company that has funded the film. And that kind of changed post 2012, because 2012 was a very big moment for Indian copyright law, because you had like a massive movement that kind of, you know, pushed for songwriters retaining certain rights. And I think a lot of credit goes to the way distribution has evolved over a period of time, because I think when when during the cassette or the CD era, you didn't really have a way of tracking how music was being played or consumed or distributed for that matter but once we started moving to digital distribution and i think by 2012 you did have itunes you did have um i think some rudimentary form of online streaming a lot of piracy youtube had come around by then but you didn't have spotify obviously but it was very clear that uh, more people were going to be consuming music online and digitally and what sparked the change was when we had the whole collar tune and ringtone movement right like you had like an uptake of all of that and people wanted their favorite song as their collar tune or their favorite song as their ringtone and then you had songwriters and composers uh you know questioning why is it that they are not seeing any money out of it and that that is how the discussion on um you know, retaining rights came about. And then we had a whole set of prominent and very influential musicians and lyricists from the film industry actually work towards having those amendments incorporated into Indian copyright law, which allowed mandatorily uh, an author slash composer, basically the songwriter to retain certain rights. That is publishing rights. 50% of publishing rights are automatically retained. And the funny part is, even though the law mandates this, the industry practices go completely contrary to this. (laughs) And it's only if you have a, you know, a lawyer who actually understands the context, uh, only then can you actually negotiate your way through it. So despite the fact that the law requires that, you know, nobody assigns away more than 50% of their publishing rights, you have record labels and production houses actually arm twisting composers into signing away those rights to them because that's how it works that's how it's always worked and the whole logic is that if you don't do it i have someone else who's willing to do it and it's uh, it's a volume game and it's also like a numbers game at the end of the day so that that problem has i think uh, maybe subsided a little bit because a lot more people are aware, people are talking about it and people are wanting to know more about what are the applicable laws and the fact that they are allowed to retain these rights as per law. So you have the younger generation of composers coming up and questioning these practices and saying that I'm not going to do it because I know that if I set this precedent for myself, I'm gonna be asking for trouble later because this is gonna be held against me. But the older generation of composers and songwriters are now looking back and saying that, yeah, I I wish that, I wish we had that option of saying no. So they are quite happy that this change is coming about. But to answer your question in brief, (laughs) I know I've kind of gone all over. It's interesting. Um, It's Yes, the film industry influences how copyright law has worked and how copyright law has been implemented. It has impacted every aspect of it from the setting up of copyright societies, how those copyright societies actually work, uh, from impacting ownership in rights in music to also even how I think music has been consumed. So, and we don't really have any kind of regulations that impact distribution per se, but it we do the only regulations that we have actually talk about ownership and performance royalties and it ends there so there is a massive change now there is a movement towards getting all of these uh, aspects addressed and hopefully incorporated in law
1: got it all right well this is interesting we're definitely getting a a quick masterclass here on uh, the music industry in india and we'll get into music tech is a bit more as well but we have to take a quick break and when we come back i want to ask a little bit about how the licensing and, and distribution component works we'll be right back
0: as music tech people sometimes it's hard to stay up to date on relevant news we're excited to announce that our curated newsletter for music tech news, Rock Paper Scanner, has officially gone public. Sign up to receive a weekly curated news feed of industry context, web3 and AI, industry revenue, cool tools and more. When you sign up today, go to slash scanner That's slash scanner or Visit musictectonics.com and find this episode's blog post for a quick link. And now, back to the episode.
1: Okay, we're back. Sonia, in, in the U.S., there's a lot of debate about whether Spotify and the growth of DSPs has been good or bad for the industry. And then there's also conversation about whether YouTube or TikTok is better or worse for music. How has N- India made the leap to digital? And specifically, how do the business models for music licensing vary from what's happening in the US?
2: It's still, I, I'd like to think it's um in a at a nascent stage because there's so much that's happening and there's so much of change that's happened in the last decade or so. And like I mentioned, given the the most important change in copyright law that happened, which happened only really in 2012, and after that, like I think, within like five or six years, we we saw Spotify come in and change the game as far as you know music consumption is concerned. In India, we've had I think YouTube has probably played a very big role in uh, I think getting people to listen to music online. But the whole concept of listening to music online is also linked to the fact that nobody really wants to pay. To listen to music so if you can listen to something free on youtube they'd rather do that so i as far as licensing is concerned nobody even spoke about licensing because ownership has always vested with one corporate it's only after 2012 that you had individuals actually owning rights in their music and you know and nobody even Uh, I think, acknowledge the importance of publishers. Because you didn't really need a publisher. You had a record label which had a publishing wing. And there was no songwriter involved. It is is B2B. There was no B2C involvement. And in the last six years, though, I think, um, and especially after Spotify entered the Indian market, and even more importantly, after Netflix and Amazon and basically all your OTT streaming platforms entered the market, people started paying attention to sync and licensing because we've like I've mentioned the film industry has had composers make music for a film it is you know bespoke and it's treated like commissioned works but it ideally shouldn't so there's there are so many nuances over here because you know It's not been black and white for us historically either. So it's just that now people are slowly adapting to these changes, to the requirements, and understanding the whole concept of licensing and the fact that there is, you need to license, you need to issue a mechanical license for a cover song to be legit and for it to be monetized and for it to be like commercially streamed. All of those are concepts which there are maybe a few people who understood it. But it's only now that people are actually talking about it and saying that okay, we need to. There, there is a workflow that actually follows, and you need to follow. Uh, what who owns basically secure licenses from people from the appropriate rights holders, who are no longer just the record labels. You do have songwriters involved. You do have uh, publishers involved. And those are all new for for the Indian market. These are all new players because you've not had a songwriter or a publisher actually actively issuing licenses, maybe like pre-2010.
1: Gotcha. That's interesting. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about the sync side, because, you know, Mm. um, you're saying that a lot of the stuff is treated like works for hire they're integrated directly into films or television and so it's not really about seeking a license because the production company is already doing all the commissioning and uh, it's it's woven into the whole production but given given how how different the film industry is India is in India and and its strong ties to music composition and even dis- music discovery tell us a little bit more about the sync market uh, in India separate from from that film industry are, are people pl- doing pl- placing independent produced music into film and tv at all commercials
2: yes actually that's been the best change in the last five or six years and I, i'm i think i'm personally i'm really happy to see that change it's, it's a welcome move because it kind of like opens up the uh, possibilities of you know uh, as in like there's a massive talent pool that rests outside the film industry and we've always i think it's kind of like a vicious circle because, you know, independent artists have, you know, not really been commercially successful in the sense, you know, in terms of money uh, or in terms of revenue, Uh, the money has always been in film music. The money has always been in with or controlled by the film industry. So with sync actually opening up and that's happened with you know, like I said, the OTT platforms coming in, I think Netflix and Amazon Prime have been the biggest players in that field. And that started off, it, it might have been like one or two instances where you had uh, a couple of independent artists have their songs picked or synced, placed for uh, a web series or for a film. And then it actually, people started looking at it as a legitimate revenue stream. And it's funny, as in, it's funny in the in a very like non funny way but that the that hollywood has been you know like sync has been so integral to how hollywood has worked like you have i've obviously discovered a lot of songs through osts of films i mean they're tech but they're all sync placements it's not like the production house owns those songs like you know you have a led zeppelin track that's playing in thor it's not like Marvel owns that track, or you know, like the production company that you know worked behind Thor, own that track. But in India, that's how it has worked, and so now even the sync placements that come about are they either there's a variation of it. They want it to be remade for the film to maybe suit the film's situation a lot better, and and as is sync placements do happen and i think those are the most um sought after because you know it's as in the least work you've created something you put it out there and it's placed right and therefore that has led to i think also a demand for sync platforms sync placement platforms like so like a localized version of a you know symphonic sounds or like an epidemic or uh, or a sync tank like these are all options that companies are actually looking at and, you know, verticals that companies are actually looking at getting into because production companies are actually, you know, opening up and probably uh, getting a lot more comfortable with the idea of having sync uh, and sync songs or like, you know, having third party songwriters have so third party composers who are not really engaged by a production company have their songs placed. And that that's a great. Uh, you know, place to be in. And it and it's probably encouraging the independent artists to actually do more work and put more music out and have that, uh, you know, option as a legit revenue stream for them.
1: I, I can hear in how you're describing what's happening with sync, what you were saying before about how indie means non-film music in India, right? Because as, uh, as, as Netflix and Amazon came into India and started looking for, for music, they weren't going to rely on the existing film production houses because those guys would be licensing their full IP with the films and complete TV series and things like that. Whereas they were looking for just like, let's add, let's add some music, which you're saying kind of helped add add a a monetization stream for artists and composers that were independent from the film production houses. And, you know, there's been a lot of news in the music trades here and in the UK about the growth of the DIY sector from the growth of non-label catalog market share to artists reclaiming independence, which sounds like there's a different version of that happening in India, um, even with changes in how uh, copyright law is even uh, handled there. Um yeah. or in the US it was like after their label contracts are up then they maybe switch to you know owning all of their own independently. Um and then artists you know here sometimes hire out major label services rather than doing traditional deals. Um sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about with sync versus film production as well. It, so um it's it's a little different in India but are are indie artists in India growing their market share as a result of all this?
2: Absolutely and i think uh what has really changed the game has been independent distribution platforms coming into the picture so for example uh the first indian uh company to actually offer uh distribution services was this company called OK listen and this was in 2013. Mm, and it was at a point where when no one really had an option of uploading their music, like independent artists, that is non-film artists, didn't have an option. And you you couldn't really check them out anywhere because it's not like they had a place where they could upload music and have it play. Like even if a SoundCloud or YouTube music was a, it was a rare occurrence. So OK Listen basically provided artists the option of having their music downloaded so you could buy an album through OK Listen. And they worked with Orchard to distribute songs on you know global streaming platforms and that was a huge 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 move and it kind of gave independent artists the feeling that I don't need to be signed to a record label to have my music heard and I think 90% of the artists who wanted to be signed by a label were primarily doing it because that was their only way of having the music released no one else had access to the internet at that point of time And then the minute you had access to a CD Baby, and TuneCore, and Distrokid, and all of them are accessible by artists in India. I think that kind of, pretty much flipped the story on its head, you know. And then you, we saw like a massive surge in music being uploaded and being distributed. And people were obviously changing the way they consume music as well. So, and the minute you saw a Spotify and a Ghana and a GeoSavan enter the market, you had more independent artists coming up because they realized that people are actually consuming music like this, which is why you have these companies entering the market. And I think that changed the game for independent artists. And especially with, uh, you know, you were talking about like TikTok and Instagram and all of that. So the way record labels now operate over here is that they're not really looking for, like an obscure artist. They're looking for someone who has a massive following and someone who has already distributed music. So it's either a buyout deal or they. it's like a, maybe a single album slash EPD. So it's it's not too different from what you're seeing in the US perhaps, but um, having these independent distribution platforms come into the market really changed the game for them. And it's just that now, and especially over the pandemic, when the film industry had come to a complete standstill, there was no music coming out, there was no new movie coming out. You had a lot of bedroom producers, which is what they're being referred to as, come out with such amazing music and have and like have access to distribution services in uh, which are so you know it's it's very easy to use or access. It's just about like paying a certain fee and having your music out. And today, Indian artists are realizing that putting out music in India doesn't necessarily mean they're being listened to in India alone. You do have uh, an Indian diaspora across the world who are actually waiting for you know, local or like authentic, independent Indian music to come out and consuming it in ways that they have never done before and they've never had access to before. So that has, I think it's, it's not very different from how it's probably we are probably slightly later to the game but it's more or less the same Mm.
1: yeah interesting later to the game but also different too because because of uh sort of the history and some of the the law and things like that but but adapting in a similar similar way i guess so beyond distribution and, and the streaming service what's the music tech scene like in india what kind of innovation are you seeing and what music tech models are growing there
2: it's at a nascent stage, to be honest. I think um, there's, like I said, there's a lot, we're playing catch up with a lot of um, you know, developments and people are still kind of figuring out a lot of very basic things, like whether it's like licensing and how royalties work and the difference between performance and mechanical royalties, because in the US you have the MLC and you have the Music Modernization Act, which have, you know, despite, um, you know, being aware of those requirements; those are all statutory requirements that have, that have come in only in the last few years. So, India is, I think, still has a long way to go when it comes to those aspects, and that automatically has an impact on how the music tech sector works as well. Mm. So, it's it's not a crowded field yet, but you do have some companies who are doing some really interesting work in. Uh, web three in uh, AI. In fact, one of I I think you've met one of them as well There's Beethoven. Yeah,
1: they came to music Uh, tectonics last year. And um, we saw them at South by Southwest as well.
2: Yeah. So in fact, I think they are doing some really, really good work. And it's, uh, it's, I don't think there's anybody else in India, which is doing uh, stuff like Beethoven is, but it's only a matter of time before, you know, you, you see a massive you know, surge in startups who are actually focusing on AI and Web3. And these are the two main areas of music tech that they're looking at. So you have distribution, there's a a couple of two distribution platforms that have come out who want to incorporate AI in the way data is, you know, provided to the artists who are using those platforms. You have uh, Web3 companies. There's one which is like, um, again, a very, a very nice very unique concept where you have an you have uh, a platform where an artist can actually build a world for each song of theirs and have uh, their audience actually come and interact with that world and this is a company called alive a l i v e dot house uh, and like a whole I, I think there are a couple of other um, you know companies who are doing significant work and it's i think in the next 5 years is going to be really crucial we're going to see a lot more players come in and maybe like, you know, do a lot more interesting work because obviously India has such a massive tech support background. I mean, you have almost all the largest tech companies have their R&D bases here, whether it's Google, whether it's Meta, whether it's Apple. So it's only a matter of time before you see, a you know, like an actual significant move in uh, the music tech sector. And it's, I, we're just, we're just starting now.
1: It's interesting to see kind of where different regions of the world kind of hop on board a certain, uh, certain yeah. development. And so, you know, maybe because it's a little later in the, in the chronology of things, Indian startups can kind of skip some phases, some painful phases that other countries had yeah. to go through yeah. in terms of, you yeah. know, having speedier internet uh, or licensing platforms that got tested elsewhere that now can get used in India that allow yeah. for um, kind of fast-forwarding to the next developments.
2: Yeah. So, in fact, actually, a lot of, as in the conversations that I've been a part of have also mentioned this aspect, saying that, you know, they want to see, they want to, like, basically wait out to see uh, certain kinks being taken out of the system and then kind of get into the game because it's going to be easier that they just have to build off certain platforms that are already existing. And and fair enough, right? Because I mean, it's an easier way and uh, innovation is something that can, even if it's it comes a little later, that's fine. A, a good idea can always be interpreted in different ways at different points of time.
1: Or, so. or to put it in the words of Scott Cohen, who was on our podcast not too long ago, The second mouse gets the cheese. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break, uh, one more break. And when we come back, let's talk about why we're talking about India. Why, you know, here in America, people are interested. We'll be right back. Hey, it's
0: Shaylee here. Huge news. Music Tectonics conference badges are on sale now at musictectonics.com. If you act now, you can grab one of our super limited, super early bird rate badges. It's the best price for the best music tech event of the year. Your badge unlocks three amazing days of connecting with music tech innovators in Santa Monica, California, October 24th to 26th. We're busy planning high energy panels, insightful keynotes, a startup pitch competition, innovative exhibitors, networking, and more. What? You're not already ready to buy your badge? Then sign up for our mailing list to get updated on programming, speakers, and exclusive discounts. It's all at MusicTectonics.com. Now back to the show.
1: Okay, we're back. There appears to be growing interest in India in the music industry and in culture here in the US. And of course, among film and TV buffs too. What are some indications of this interest in India? And why do you think the American music industry and culture are so interested in India?
2: Hey, I think um, we are a huge country. We are like almost like a 2 billion population. If I'm not mistaken, we've overtaken China in terms of in terms of numbers like population wow. numbers so just volume game alone <laughs> i think there's a lot that can be done and uh i think the second part is uh something which has probably been evolving over a period of time right like this was um you know whether you like i mentioned earlier the indian diaspora is in every country you have and all of them are you know importing their culture from India and kind of bringing on film music or non-film music and having those artists come and perform there and getting Indian film more popular and more global. And you have a lot of crossover artists who've, you know, been listened to by, I don't know, you had Pratik Kuhad, who's like one of our biggest crossover independent artists. he He was on Barack Obama's playlist. And that I think was a big, as in a big bump for the independent scene in India as well. And, um, and you have other really big names like Mr. A.R. Rahman, who won two Grammys and an Oscar. And he was, uh, I think that was in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, kind of putting India on the map in terms of creative and music. And, you know, the fact that there is a certain global quality coming out of, Indian studios and um and of course I'm not taking away from the fact that Bollywood has been a global phenomenon for a while now like people have uh, identified India through our Bollywood actors and even if it's like you know you go to a country and it's, it's like some obscure part of the country and they ask you where you're from and you say you're from India and they're just like oh India Shah Rukh Khan and you know they they do his uh, like his characteristic arms open pose and that's something which i think a lot of it is because of the entertainment industry being the way it is and the kind of content that's coming out of the entertainment industry um and i mean political reasons aside of course i think there's culturally india has a very it's a very very colorful very vibrant um you know environment when it comes to like entertainment and media and like like i said each state has its own film industry each state has its own music industry so it's it's uh the kind of creativity that comes out of all of it is something that's i think is bound to get noticed at some point and um the fact that you have all your largest players in the global music industry wanting to pay attention to india is a big indicator of the fact that they are seeing there's a certain potential that they're seeing. And that comes from all of these, you know, points, like I mentioned, whether it's the volume game, whether it's the fact that this is uh, material or this is creativity or this is content that wants that people are consuming across the world, either because you have Indians in those parts of the world or because, you know, it's just easily consumable content. It's entertainment at the end of the day. And I think now with uh, RRR winning, and that's like the first Indian production that has won uh, an, an Oscar, it's all eyes are on the country now. And I think it's a, it's a good time to be in the entertainment industry in India. So
1: Definitely. Definitely. Well, great to get your insights on that. But Sandhya, now you and our listeners need to put on your seatbelts because... It's time to get sci-fi, as we do on a lot of our episodes. Let's widen out beyond India. Imagine it's 10 to 20 years out in the future. What crazy futuristic things will we see in the music industry, say, in the year 2040 or beyond? What are you thinking there, Sandhya? Wow.
2: Okay. This is, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that AI is going to be in a very, very advanced place. We probably have... AI artists actually having concerts and, you know, we'd probably have the metaverse actually in a very stable format and mainstream and where you'd have, like, artists actually have an alternate, you know, alter ego on the <laughs> metaverse performing and I might have an alter ego in the metaverse that's performing. I might be a rock star in the metaverse for all I know. <laughs> so, so yeah, So I mean, I I, I like to think that, uh, you know, who'd who knew that we'd have, you know, the uh, like a computer in the size of our palm and actually making payments through scanning QR codes and... You know, you have Google Pay and Apple Pay and touching phones to make payments to each other. We didn't even think that would happen like, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, Like, I think smartphones kind of sped things up a lot. So it's just, I wouldn't be surprised if we're having collaborations with alien musicians for all you (laughs) know. So (laughs) have, have concerts on a spaceship. That'll be fun.
1: Finally, we've got a guest who's going to the space with us, going to really sci-fi here. So those are great, great answers. I, th- I think uh, all of that is is possibly true or probably true. So before we wrap up, and this has been an incredible conversation, I feel like we've gotten a very clear, deep dive into what's going on in India. I can't think of a better person to have given that to us, given your, your history and your experience. Um, but as a little parting gift we'd ask from you, we'd like to broaden our network to the music tectonics community. Um, and you are now our bridge to India. <laughs> who are and, and also globally, I know you're, you're paying attention to every place, so it doesn't have to be from India, but who are three thought leaders or music tech startups that we should check out from your circle?
2: Great. Um, so there's, I think you've already met Beethoven, but I definitely think they, they are a company or an organization that you should be paying a lot of attention to because you're doing some great work. Uh, and I like their ideology behind the way they work, the fact that they're looking into ethical data sourcing, which is going to be a big part of the conversation we're going to have in the next couple of years. There's um, Madverse, which is an Indian distribution platform. Um, What's the name? That is Madverse. Madverse. Yeah, okay, Madverse. Got it. And but obviously they're they're looking at uh, global artists as well, and they are uh, they have some incredible features which they plan on introducing, and they're going to be incorporating AI in the way data is you know transferred to artists, more visibility, a lot more transparency. Uh then the other startup is alive um A-L-I-V-E dot house. They are in the web3 space. Again, I think there's a lot of work that is ongoing. And I think a lot more stability that we need to see in the metaverse and uh, the web3 community for it to actually become a sustainable option. Like, you know, AI is already, people have accepted AI and everyone knows that it's a, it's a stable sector. It's only going to keep you know, developing and becoming bigger. But I have hopes for the Web3 community as well. And and Alive is doing has some really fascinating things that they've already done. And I think they have a lot of potential in terms of uh, the kind of things that they can build for the Web3 community in India as well. So Alive is uh, another company that I can think of.
1: Awesome. So great to get your suggestions of people and companies we should know. Great to have you here. I hope you can come out to Music Tectonics someday.
2: I will. And I (laughs) plan to this year. And I'm definitely going to be seeing you in person, (laughs) Dmitri. Yes,
1: finally, finally. That's so great. Uh, This has been a great conversation with Sandhya Surindran uh, with Lexic. She has her own podcast, LexTalk Music at lextalkmusic.com. That's L-E-X talkmusic.com. Thanks so much for joining the show, Sandhya.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Dimitri. It's been wonderful.
1: I'll see you in Santa Monica in October. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know we do free monthly online events that you, our lovely podcast listeners, can join? Find out more at musictectonics.com. And while you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference and sign up for our newsletter to get updates. Everything we do explores the seismic shifts that shake up music and technology, the way the earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's my favorite platform. Connect with me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it. We'll be back again next week, if not sooner.
0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.